Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. All right, and we are back with another episode of Outdoor Country Talk. Poole, as in Outdoor Country Talk fashion, I'm going to lead us into a weather update. Nope, not talking about it today. Oh, we got to. So, I I know we've got a a podcast today with a fishing charter, and it almost seems fitting because, man, I don't know if I need to, you know, put the hunting gear back up, bring out the shorts and flip-flops again. Who knows, man? Well, we know my shorts stay out all year long, but the – the upper attire is changing. I was in the blind with baby girl yesterday and I had a cut off shirt on <laughs> and was actually sweating in it and looked over there. She, oh, had a, she had a sweatshirt on and I'm like, there's no way you're cool. She's like, but daddy by dark, it's going to get cool. I said, it's still going to be 70 degrees at dark. It's not going to get cool, punk. And we're good. I know. And you know, I was listening to a couple episodes we did ago. Uh, just happened to throw one on as we're going to, as I was driving to work this morning and we were actually talking about a cold front and I'm like, you know, that wasn't that long ago. We was talking about a cold front. Now it came you know, and went. It's, it's full air conditioner mode back here in Mississippi. So it's like to say, if you don't like the weather in Mississippi, just wait 30 minutes. It's going to change. So I, I think we're there. I'm going to bet our guests today can, I bet their weather's a little different than ours where they are today. So I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet. You know, in the, in the kind of a pre-show, we was talking with them, and they're getting some rain, something we hadn't had a whole lot of. But yeah, I bet it's a, I bet it's a little bit more tropical than we are. I will say that. You say that I got a little bit of rain this morning. About the time I was pinning some cows to send calves to the sale, um, it was just enough that I got soaking wet while I was trying to fool with them, and then all of a sudden it quit. So, oh, that's nice. Maybe I got some of my food flies. Yeah, it was maybe about fifteen minutes worth of little light Mm. drizzle but like i say it was just enough that i got soaking wet trying to do what i was doing so yeah yeah well not enough to knock the dust off the truck so right well what else is happening that's it man uh chasing these youngins around we're trying to keep up with ball and everything else deer season got started here in mississippi i know this one's going to air a few another week or so from now but uh my little, my 10 year old, she's been, been spot on. And I will tell you this, I, I go ahead and put this out there. I had a, I had a proud ditty moment last night or yesterday afternoon. We're sitting in a blind and she's killed a doe. She was able to get one Saturday afternoon. She was able to get one Sunday afternoon. And I asked her yesterday afternoon after school, I said, well, baby, I said, you know, are we looking for horns today? And she turned just as serious as she could be to me. She said, daddy. You can't eat the horns. That's what I'm talking about. That's it what was, I'm talking about. It was one of those where I had to wipe a tear out of the corner of my eye and just flick it. I'm like, that's my baby. Uh, that's a pool right there. Can't eat the horn. <laughs> no, sir, you can't eat the horns. Go ahead. Look, if it's an old single long-nosed dog on him, it normally snorts at you. No, we go ahead and we go ahead and get, take that out of the population. That way that's not a issue anymore <laughs> that's right that's right well we got a good show lined up today i know we're going to take a little bit of a spin off of our normal or here lately the the hunting woods and going to go into the the fishing water side of things aren't we we are look today y'all our guest today is mr austin ponds 
with no pressure fishing charters out of Florida. Mr. Austin, how are you today? I'm doing doing right fun. Fellas, how about yourself? We are good. Yeah, doing and well. Austin, if you notice right there, I just said out of Florida because like I told you earlier, I will probably mutilate the name of the area y'all are in. So I wanted you <laughs> yeah. to actually say where y'all are out of. Uh, so, you know, a good geographical landmark for us is Daytona Beach. Um, everybody knows it. Racing on the beach years ago, world-famous racetrack, not more than three miles from the coast. Uh, that's us, Ponce Inlet, Florida. That's where we reside. So say it a little bit slower. Ponds Inlet, Florida? Uh, yes, sir. Ponds Inlet, Florida. Okay. I've never been there. Nope. Well, I'm going to guess uh, that the fishing down there must be spectacular. It can be. It can be. It can, uh, it can definitely be something to talk about. There's, uh, there's quite a few boats that travel here, uh, certain times of the year, you know, depending on what their species of fish is that they, you know, prefer to target. It can be a destination to come and fish. Well, speaking of that, what, I, I tell you what, before we get into all that too much, Austin, kind of kind of walk us through how y'all got started in this. You know, I mean, starting your own charter business. Yeah, um, so I, I was born and raised here local. Uh, my wife, born and raised here local. And um, I grew up on charter fishing baits on commercial fishing baits and um you know probably spent more time on a boat than i did at school which didn't go over well at the home front but <laughs> i was bound and determined to make a career out of it and um you know you just roll with the seasons charter fish during the summer when a lot of folks are in town vacationing uh, and then in the winter time we commercial fished um, you know, catch fish, sell them to the local fish house. And, you know, from there it goes on out through, uh, through the United States, you know. Uh, but it just, it keeps us busy year round. 12 months a year, I can find something to go do that pertains to fishing, whether it be taking an individual fishing, him or her family, or we can, uh, go fishing, catch fish and sell them. So I'm going to take it you like being on the water all the time. I, well, <laughs> I love the water. Don't get me wrong. I love the water. Um, I'm not a big fan of it in uh, bad conditions. <laughs> it's just, um, <laughs> you know, I've had a, a many a charter look at me and tell me that I live the greatest life on earth. And, uh, and it's a blessing. It really is to get up in the morning and go fishing every day. And it's my passion. I've held it, you know, deep in my heart and have loved what i've done my whole life uh, but there's some days that we got to get up and go and you go in that old ocean out there and you're like man this just ain't a whole lot of fun <laughs> uh, but it's it's i love it i love it i really do well now austin back up there just a second the uh a couple of years ago i was talking with some guys and we were headed on a tuna fishing trip out of south louisiana and the guys, one of the guys I was with, he's like, man, that guy's living a dream. You know, man, he, all he does is fish all day. He's just captain his boat. He's going around. And I said, dude, you're not, you're not really looking at that all the way, are you? And he's like, yeah, I'm telling you, man, just sit out here. You're on the boat. Everything. I said, dude, he's booking hunts or fishing trips 
He's got to get a, get bait in the morning, whether he's going to the store, he's got to fill up the boat. I said, his day's probably starting at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. We didn't get on the boat till 6 this morning to make a two-hour ride out to start fishing. Our day has been easy. He's already already got three or four hours in. I said, plus he's got to deal with all us yahoos trying to put us on fish. If he does that, he gets us back in safely. And then he's still got to clean fish, clean the boat, refuel the boat, restock bait. He said, well, hell, I didn't think about all that. Like, no, man, you're just looking at the glory photos online. No, it, it's more to yeah. it than what you're, you're throwing out there, bud. You you painted a good picture for that. Uh, my day, you know, a, a common charter for us is a 10-hour fishing trip. Unless, you know, summertime, daylight hours, let's call that a 6 to 4 fishing trip. We, we try to leave dock at 6. Um, technically, on a 10-hour trip, you know you run 10 hours. That's how you sell the trip. Uh, you should be back at 4. Very rarely do I make it home on time. I'm usually 30 to 45 minutes late because I'm that guy that, you know, we're, let's drop one more. We're here. Let's drop one more. You know how that turns into it. Just, you know, 30 minutes goes by real quick because you're having fun. But yeah, it's, um, I, 4 a.m. I wake up 4 a.m. Like everybody else going through the motions. I'm a cup of coffee, my sack of lunch my wife's got made for me. You get down to the boat, you load a barrel or two of ice, you put the bait on the boat, you're going through rods and reels, your folks show up, you load all their mess on the boat, coolers and beverages and whatnots, um, and here you go. You know, you got an hour, 45 minute ride out, two hours, depending on where you go, how far you're going to go, uh, and you're hoofing it all day long, you're hustling, you know, keeping bait on hooks, dropping down and driving the boat, anchoring, pulling anchor. And yeah, you get back to back four o'clock. Everybody's, you know, had a big day. You know, everything worked out. We caught a bunch of fish. Get back there to dock. Well, let's grab the fillet knife and you know, I'll start sharpening and knocking sides off of fish, bagging them up. And I got six different guys that are going six different ways. So I need six even portions of each species <laughs> of fish. And yeah, and I look at them. Everybody says, "Look, man, I'm gonna be as fair as I can. I don't have a scale, nor am I pulling one out, but I'll give it my good, you know, Kentucky windage. They all look the same." <laughs> uh, but put everybody's cooler in there, shake hands, you know, uh, maybe drink a beer with them and talk about old times. And hey, man, y'all have a good hunting season this fall. See y'all next summer. And you get home, uh, you, you know, you're looking at. You're looking at eight o'clock, eight thirty. Take a shower, get some dinner, and hit it again. Yeah, you pumped that sixteen to seventeen hour day in quick. But that that was what I got tickled with the guy that was with us. It's like, man, you you're not really looking at this whole picture. There there's way no. more to this than you uh you know, than you than you're looking at right there pointing out. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's a long day. And the the fishing part of it, you know, that's the exciting part. That's the part you wake up in the morning and you're like, God, you know, it, every day can be different. You go out there and, you know, Mother Nature might throw you a curveball and you go somewhere new and you see something different. You, you know, you find different schools of fish. The, the toughest days are the days that you're in the barn or the boatyard and you're doing bilge pumps and bottom paint and just this stuff is not fun. 
you know, that's, those are the tough <laughs> days where it's a grind and it's just like, oh man, I don't want to do this, but it's a part of the job. And that's a part that a lot of folks don't ever even think about is just the boat maintenance in itself, keeping up with a, you know, a, a 31 or a 39 or 40 footer and then a, and then a 20 footer, you know, it's just maintenance in general, uh, can be overwhelming if you let it get ahead of you. Well, Austin, what, what species of fish, what, what are y'all normally running for down in your, off of your area? Um, so just to sum it up, it, it's like a lot of other places, seasons. It's, it's very seasonal. And I try to explain that to folks. Uh, we have some staples, you know, we, we catch amberjack, bottom fish. We catch those kind of year round. Uh, we can base our year off of those. Um, you know, what we call stringer fish or, or small snappers, vermilion snappers, uh, trigger fish, sea bass. Um, you know, we target those quite a bit on the bottom fishing and those can be a little seasonal, but year round we have those species that we can target. Um, when you get very specific and someone says, well, I want to catch sailfish. Okay. Well, you need to think about booking your trip or showing up maybe late October, November, and, you know, partially December for this area. Um, and then, you know, someone would say, well, I want to catch Wahoos. Like, well, you know, the spring is a good time to do that because of how everything's changing. The Gulf Stream pushes in. There's a lot of bait, the mahi, mahi, or, you know, dolphins, dorados, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, they're all flushing to the north. The Wahoos are mixed in there with them. Uh, everything's got a, a time and a place and a purpose. I mean, it's, it's no different than going buck hunting and not being in the rut. You know, you're going to you're be after that one. Well, you're going to get your best shot at him when he's in rut. He's, you know, everything's moving. Um, you know, if you're, you're trying to hunt big bucks and it's not the rut, I mean, you got to really, really be dialed in on that one deer to get him to mess up. Yeah. You got to be in the right area at the right time. And, it's got to be perfect. You know, the rut, they kind of go a little crazy and do things they wouldn't normally do. So that's right. You got a little better opportunity, and, and same thing you're talking about there. Same exact thing. You know, you just hit it when it's good, and and that's the big thing about the trolling species, the sailfish, blue marlins, um, you know, dolphins, wahoos, super seasonal on those species of fish. Uh, and you know, we also do the inshore fishing as well, which throws a whole nother, uh, you know, wrench in the game is. Bag limits, season dates, when species are open and you're allowed to catch and take that possession of that fish. Um, some species are closed down for two, three months out of the year for, let's say, spawning purposes. Um, and that's another one. Guy comes to me and says, well, I want to go catch a snook. And I said, well, we, we can go catch those snook, but you can't. We cannot bring it home and play it and eat it. We're going to have to release it. Um, you know, you have those uh, hurdles, if you will, that you got to get over when talking to clients about what they want to go do and what they want to catch. Well, that was, I, I talked with a friend of mine. We, I went fishing with a friend of mine not long ago, a, a guy down in Louisiana. And, you know, he said he had a, had a guy come in and just wanted to catch lemon fish, lemon fish, lemon fish. He said, that's great. He said, but you're going to have to come back another trip. And the guy was like, what do you mean? I want to catch on this trip. He's like, no, wrong time of the year. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, we can catch them. I know where they are, but they're not here this time of year. So, you know, you, you're going to have to come back when, when they're actually in this area feeding and, you know, predominantly here, not when, you know, in, like he told him, he said, man, he said, we can go try. <coughs> oh, bless me. He said, but, uh, you know, it's highly unlikely. He said, but you come back mm-hmm. in a different time of the year and I'm going to give you really good probability, you know, that won't be a problem whatsoever. And, and I, I, I appreciate that. I'd rather, um, you know, someone, if I was chartering somebody to, to do whatever, you know, uh, I'd rather a guy tell me up front, be like, Hey man, you know, it's a little tough this time of year. We can try it. We can go and do it. But I'm telling you that I don't think our results is going to be as good as if you were to come back next month or three months from now. You know, I, I appreciate that honesty. Um, and I, I would rather somebody tell me that than take me for a ride and, you know, just get another trip under his belt for the year. Well, and um, you as a good guide, you know, you can, in a discovery conversation, that's one thing I always get tickled about when people, when I book a trip, I book a lot of trips, I go to a lot of different places, and, you know, they ask, okay, what are you looking for? Man, I really don't care. But I may have a guy that's with me that really does care. Mm-hmm. Well, then you get, if you don't ask the other part, person in your party, say, man, look, what do y'all want to go catch? They're like, man, we want catch, you know you know snapper or reds only you know okay well we're probably going with the wrong guy yeah you know this guy ain't yeah. running for reds uh he's he's going tuna fishing uh you know we we, we got to change where we're going oh yeah but if yeah. you don't ask folks you know we book a lot of duck hunts and stuff or, or go to a lot of places like man we won't shoot mallards only i don't care what it is if it flies <laughs> it dies it, it's just you know <laughs> Try to shoot at least amount of hens as we can, but if they fly in and it's the only thing flying, we're gonna pop one or two of them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, went to Utah not long ago, and the guy said, "Man, do y'all mind shooting divers? I don't care. Do they fly? Yeah, I'll shoot them. I like the smell of gunpowder. It doesn't matter to me. Man, we'll clean them and eat every one of them. It doesn't make a bit of difference. No, I'm not, I'm not that a, picky one. That's but, a tough draw in the charter industry. Um, is making everybody happy." you know, and what they want to do. Well, you know, as well as I do, you can never make everybody happy. You just try to make the majority of them happy. True story. True story. Also, talk, talking about some of the, like your client base, are they pretty local to your area or do you, you have a client base, you know, all over the country? Man, I tell you, I've got them, uh, just, I'm, I'm going to call it just about all over the country. Um, uh, you know, I've got a, a dad and his son that come down from Montana, uh, about every year. Uh, they come and fish with me. Um, you know, I see a lot of Georgia folks, obviously, because they're just up the road. You know, it's kind of short drive for them to come down. Um, you know, Ohio, Tennessee, um, you know, a lot of that South Carolina guys, uh, and girls for that matter. Um, you know, you, you see what I've, most commonly saw is folks that vacation Florida. One year they do the East Coast, and then maybe next year they do the West Coast, and then they'll flip back and forth. And it, you know, it dawned on me as years went by. I was like, man, I didn't see you guys last year. Oh yeah, we went up to Pensacola. We went up there and charter fish last year. We're gonna come back here this year, you know. So you you see that. But to answer your question, it's a pretty broad spectrum, you know, throughout the United States um, of folks that. Come down to Florida and, 
and you know, I do have clients that have been with me since my start, my very first year. I've, I've got some of the same guys and girls that fish with me. Um, but we get new clients every year. We get some new clients that are just, you know, never been here before, never done it. Picked up the phone or saw somebody at the tackle store or over there and my name got dropped in front of them and said, Hey man, this is a guy here born and raised. That's all he does. And you know, they're only, they may only do that trip one time in their life and they, you know, are from wherever. Um, but it's, it's very broad from where everybody comes from and what they want to do. Well, and that's got to be neat from your end of it because you get to meet so many different people and hear so many different things. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, you know, I'll be, let's see, I'll be 38 uh, this month, and I started in the charter industry about 16, 17 years old. Um, you know, I've watched families, I've watched men's boys grow up at this point that are now my age or we're the same age, and they now come back and charter me without that. You know, like it's their, I've, I've got two generations of charters that I get to see now, and it's, it's really cool, you know, just to watch those guys at the same time. We were kids, I was working, they were on vacation or whatever, and now they come back and they've got their own business and their own thing, and they're successful, and they've returned the favor and come back, and they charter me nonetheless, and their dad charters me another trip that year, you know, where it's him and his buddies and they're not bringing their boys anymore. or Maybe they are, but it's cool watching several generations now fish with us, you know, and enjoy it. That is pretty cool. I wouldn't have, yeah, I guess you've been doing it that yeah. long. You're talking about 20 something years. You, you may actually have three generations from time to time where you've got granddaddy's son and, or and his yeah. son now. So, it's getting close. It's pretty cool. It is. It is that. Now, you were saying earlier, you know, depending on on boats, and and you were saying that you added a boat. Did you add a boat this year or in the last couple of years? Uh, I added a boat this year. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> like a lot of people, COVID hit, and we had that little moment in what would have been January, February, March, where, you know, we, we lost some bookings. We had some cancellations. Everybody was kind of tapping the brakes and slowing down and seeing what was going to happen. Um, I build, I build our own boats. Uh, I've done several boats over the years and I had a, a fellow call me up and said that he had this 20 foot boat that was a 1979 or 78 or something, you know, good bones. Uh, just, she needed a good old fashioned facelift. Uh, so for that month, I put the boat in the barn and stripped it down to the shell and we needed new stringers, fuel tank, deck, and, you know, shot paint on it and did everything, you know, like she'd just come out of the factory. And, uh, and that was what I was going to roll into my charter operation to cover both sides of the spectrum, offshore and inshore. Well, because you hit some days where you're just not going offshore. You got, you got bad weather, you got a front moving in and you yes. got choppy water out and it's no point in making a run, but you can stay inshore and fish when you can't run out. A, a lot of the days, majority of the time, you can. You can find places that are in the lee of the wind, you know. 
um, and, and get out a little bit of the wind and, and fish places and have a good day of fishing. Um, and with that being said, there are still some days when you don't even want to be in the river. You know, you just don't, you just don't want to go. It's raining sideways and, you know, and blowing, but, uh, mainly for those days when the, the main body of the front has came through, brought the rain with it. And then you have those two or three days behind it where the wind is still coming out of the Northeast and it hasn't quite spun around yet to bring a little West wind in and blow the ocean flat. Uh, you know, that allows us to fish in a river. And get us, you know, just a few more days in. Well, because when you book a trip, if I book a trip a month or two out, we don't know what the weather's going to be. So if I come down Lord and all of a sudden it's a front blowing in, or Lord, this year a hurricane because we hadn't had but what fifteen or twenty come through the <laughs> this year a bunch between hurricanes and tropical storms. So yeah, it, and not only that, but. Well, and you said a minute ago, you know, COVID back at the first of the year kind of went to playing with things. Well, I had a turkey hunt I was supposed to come down to Florida on, and it was a buddy deal. It wasn't a, I hadn't booked a hunt. Uh, but the the biggest thing was crossing state lines. Mm-hmm. You know, at the first of the COVID, they didn't want out-of-staters. Uh, if you were from Louisiana, you weren't supposed to go anywhere. At that time, I believe, you know, we were looking at it going to Texas on a turkey hunt also. And they said, look, if you come through Louisiana, do not stop. If you do, do not tell anybody you stopped. Yeah. You know, you, you, you are from Mississippi. You got in your truck, you drove five hours to Houston and now you're bumping down going the other way. Like, mm-hmm. okay. He's like, yeah, don't, don't fill up fuel and come straight on through because if you tell them that you stopped anywhere in Louisiana at the very first of it when Louisiana was, I guess, a hot spot. But some areas were talking about you had to go and quarantine at that area you were going to for two weeks before you were allowed to go out and participate in the activity you were doing. It was like, who come up with this? And I heard that. I heard that from quite a few of our, our clients. You know, um, some guys that that have condos in this area or, you know, they lease a condo for their stay in there. And they're telling us that we're going to be locked inside of our condo, can't get the pool, can't leave the room for 14 days. And I'm like, son, our, our stay ain't but seven days long. You know, and I'm, I'm like, well, if it was me, I wouldn't go anywhere and told me I'd stay in my room for 14 days. Like, there ain't no fun in that. I just stay in the house. Yeah, I'd stay where I keep moving around and do something, but... And I, and I know it hurt a lot of guides. It hurt a lot of outfitters. Man, you know, talking, it was it was rough. You know, some of the travel, uh, different places, and you know, it's starting to open back up. Hopefully, we'll get back to normal here before long. Because I, I know your business business depends a lot of businesses depend on it. Restaurants and different things mm-hmm. need people out and about, moving around, spending money. Yes, so hopefully, sir. hopefully, we're about to get to the short end of this COVID thing and get back to life as as we used to know it. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> well, this time of year, what are y'all fishing for? Um, so this time of year, I leave the dock charter fishing. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to be looking at doing a little bit of both, uh, trolling that it may be and bottom fishing. Um, this time of year, particularly, we usually have some sailfish in our area. Um, with that being said, We've had days out of here where we've caught 
35 and 40 sailfish in a trip. Right. Okay. I mean, just a bunch of sailfish. Um, with that being said, you know, our bottom fishing, we've got a few cold fronts that have came down. The ocean water, we're starting to cool off our temperatures a little bit. Uh, the groupers are going to start to get into their spawning cycle and building row. Um, and so they become more heavily on the feed. You know, you have a better opportunity when they're feeding. Um, so I like to focus a little more on the grouper fishing in deep water, um, you know, trolling on the sailfish. Um, with that being said, with that sail fishing, they're here because of a vast amount of bait. Everything follows the food source. Um, sailfish are on the bait. With that being said, there's going to be blackfin tunas mixed in with that. Uh, mahis. Uh, there's going to be dolphins mixed in with it. Uh, we've caught wahoos this time of year sail fishing. Um, it's, it's a magical time of year in that fall run of when the baits run into the south, staying with a certain water temperature. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing for me because I can prepare the boat for everything. And if something doesn't quite play out, you know, I've always got a bailout plan. I can go over there. All right, boys, let's go try to catch a couple groupers and maybe some amberjacks. And we might have to run four or five miles to go to that and get there and do Good, you know, possibly on the bottom fishing and look around and be like, oh, I see a few sailfish pre-jumping or cutting bait or something and then put the sailfish stuff back out and catch four or five sailfish. Uh, it's, it's a cool time of year. You know, the weather is getting a lot more comfortable. It's not a hundred degrees stagnant heat. You know, you need a, a slight hoodie in the morning or ride down the river. You're out of that by 930 in a t-shirt, but, um, you know, it's it's a good time of year where we have a lot of opportunities at different species of fish. Austin, it, it may seem pretty obvious, but kind of talk through the difference in trolling or, or, or explain what trolling and, and bottom fishing is for people that may not have a clue about it. Um, so the, the best way to describe it is, uh, you know, bottom fishing, you're going to be holding the rod the whole time. Um, that's, you know, you're holding your rod, you've got two hooks or one hook on it, a long leader or a double ring, and, you know, you're dropping bait to the bottom, you're getting a bite, and you're cranking uh, your rig, you know, lead and leader back up to the surface. Uh, and you, you're manually holding that rod the entire time. The trolling side of things is we've got big outriggers on the boat, and we put lines out the back, and the boat stays in forward motion. You know, we're trolling around, uh, and the fish come up behind the boat and eat the baits that we're dragging behind us. Now, most of the time when you're trolling, are you running big artificial or? Uh, I'm a bait guy. I'm, I believe in natural baits. Um, there's, there's a time and a place to drag some artificials, uh, but I'm a big fan of of towing natural baits or ballyhoos is what most guys are going to refer to as dragging natural. Um, you know, maybe some light skirts depending on what I'm tar- targeting, but uh, I like to use, I like to put some meat on the hook and put it back there. I'm going to guess most people that are fishing with you like that. Because, <laughs> you know, when we go out to fish, I don't have to catch what we're after, but if I'm catching fish, I'm a happy guy. Um, I'll, I'll say 80% of the clientele, uh, has that mentality. 
you know, they just want to go fishing. They just want to catch fish. Uh, a lot of folks do prefer to target species that they can eat. You know, something that we can throw in the fish box and bring home. Um, there is, I do have a, a select clientele that really doesn't have to catch anything and put it in the fish box. Um, they love the sport of it. Sail fishing, obviously. Um, that's really not a fish that we kill and bring home. Uh, it's truly a sport fish. You know, you hook them and they jump and, you know, a great fight on light time. I'll get them all into the boat, take a picture, and we release them. Why is that, Austin? Uh, it's not that the fish is unedible. Um, they, they are pretty good. They're a very good fish to put on a smoker. You know, they've got a pretty good high oil content in the heat. They don't dry out real bad. Um, but not to get off topic, it's just one of those things. It's, it's over the years, it's just evolved into we're not gonna, we're not gonna kill a bunch of these fish. We're just, you know, they're all, they're gonna be a sport fish. It's, it's a blue marlin, a white marlin, a sailfish. Um, there's, I, to me, I believe there's more into it, into hooking the fish and catching him and getting him up there and getting a really beautiful picture with him. And releasing them, you know, and a lot of guys, they bring it up like, well, we need to kill it to get a mount. No, not anymore. You know, that's a, a thing in the past. We don't need a skin mount. Um, good picture, a couple measurements, taxidermy man, and put the one on your office wall. Looks just like the one you caught. Um, it's just become that sport fish. I, I don't have the greatest definition of why. Well, now, Austin, stay with that for just a second. Now, if you, I know a lot of times you catch a sailfish, catch marlin. The colors that you get when you first get it out of the water, it's so much better. Look, or I guess so much more of a beautiful fish than, okay, say you kill it and three hours later you take another picture. Oh, 100%. Well, the taxidermist, if you take that first picture, and like you say, get the measurements and go ahead and release the fish, the, the taxidermist can capture that, that first color better. Yes. So when yes. they're when they're doing that 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 artificial for you, you just get a more vibrant, you know, better looking mount than if you. And I guess they can they can fix the other two, but you know, to me o- over the years, everything I've seen, the colors are just they just pop better when the fish first comes out of the water. It's just a really really beautiful fish to where, like I say, a couple hours later, you're looking at it, and you're like, that's the same fish. Well. You know, uh, take for example, like a largemouth bass. You know, you, a lot of bass fishermen around. You you catch a largemouth and put him in the live well, and guys fishing a tournament. You know as well as I do. You pull that bass fresh out of the water. You just hooked him, caught him, cranked him up there, and you can see all the shapes and patterns down inside. You let him sit in the live well for a couple hours, and you go to the weigh-in, and he's more of a more black. You know, he doesn't have the same beautiful markings and all the shapes and colors and sizes on him. Um, and fish, they adapt to what their surroundings are. That's a survival technique. Um, and, and you're 100% right. You know, you, you take a fish and throw him on ice, he's going to change color. And the prettiest color they'll be is that moment you pull them up in the water. Well. I've never had the opportunity. We caught a sailfish once years ago on accident. It wasn't intentional, but we were, we were trolling and that wasn't what we were targeting, but we actually caught one and we released him. But, uh, when I, 
when I got married, my my we got married down at St. John's and went on a fishing trip the next day and we were on a marlin trip the next day and went up we caught Wahoo and my my did not even remotely see a fish we were after, but the water was bad. We had a front move in and but the the experience and I'm sure it's a lot of like, you know, the experience y'all have with y'all, it was just a good time. I mean, even though the water was rough, it was just, it was a great time, great trip, great memories. And that's what I think a lot of folks, when you go out on a fishing trip, you're going to spend time with your family and your friends, your buddies, and, and, and make those memories and have a good time, you know, and you catching great fish. That's, that just adds to it. That's a bonus. That's a bonus. You know, every fishing trip is, I, I swear it's made by the crew. And I, and I say crew, not only me and the captain and the mate, but, you know, the guests on board. Um, you know, interaction with people's huge. Being able to talk and cut up and carry on. You know, we're all from different places and have done different things, you know, but just interaction with one another and, uh, and hearing about it, you know, just say, hey, what do you do for a living? Like, man, never heard of that. Like, what is that in detail? Just, you know, small talk throughout the day and, really learning something about other people and being surrounded by good people. Um, and the fishing, it usually takes care of itself. You know, that's the bonus side of the day. You know, have a few big ones, some nice ones, a bunch of small ones, fill the box. You know, everybody seems to be happy. Uh, you do get a few days in there where it's kind of tough to break the ice with the conversation piece with some folks. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but somehow or another, we end up getting it broke, you know. Well, you know, some people have personalities and some people don't. It's uh, it, uh, yeah, we run into it here. We, we get to talk. We had a guest on a couple of weeks ago. Great guy, great interview. And when we got off, I asked him. I said, "Well, man, look, do you know anybody else that'd like to talk with us?" You know, and he's like, "Oh man, I got some guys that tell some great stories." I said, "Well, would they interview with us?" He's like, "Uh, hold on." My list just got shorter, and it's like uh, it, it gets way shorter before <laughs> who will actually record. Every, everybody will tell a story. When Jeremy and I go to these wildlife things, uh, we were at one back in Jackson last year, and you know it was people running up telling stories, you know, hand grabbing story, a fishing story, a deer story, a turkey story. And it's like, man, would you record with us? Oh no, uh, no, I ain't, no. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. You hear them go to backpedaling quick. It's like, I, I got you. you I don't want to say anything that'll get me in I'll trouble. Give it that. No, man. That's what we were telling <laughs> you before we started. It's, it's just like us having a campfire sitting around be, or being on the boat visiting and, and shooting the breeze. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. We, we try not to be technical at all. We like to have a good time and make sure our guest has a good time. But I, also, know, I know we're, we're kind of, kind of getting on the back end of the podcast here, but. One question I got, and, and I think it, it's really evolved, but I, I kind of like for you to explain a little more on your side of the business. How has technology changed and probably bettered um, your success rate in the in the your your business? You know, through the years from where I know you've been in it for for several years now. How has it changed from when you first started to kind of the technology used now? And you you know if you like to share some of that technology that y'all use out on the boat now man uh it's it's incredible it's incredible what it has become or what we have available to us now is 
is what I saw growing up. Um, and it, it's unreal. I'm a Garmin electronics fan myself. Um, I love their products. I love their simplicity and using them. Um, if there was five other captains in this room, we could start a very heated debate on, uh, you know, how Garmin's not better than Simrad and Simrad's not better than this and Ferrero. And I think it's the electronics anymore. I think it's like, you know, a good, a good bow hunter picking out a bow. He grabs the one that he likes and has faith in. You know, that's the simplest way of putting it. But to, to get with it, uh, you know, electronics have changed drastically in the ability to look at sonar and look at the bottom of the ocean and, and tell what a ledge is or a rock pile or, you know, what a, a, a container is sitting on the bottom. And the way that the sounders depict shapes of fish and schools of fish and densities um, in depths, you know, I mean, we're talking shallow water fishing being 60 foot and for us, bottom fishing in 300 feet of water, 310, 320. And knowing when I drive across that spot, like there's not something marking down there. This is what's down there. Um, back in the day, growing up, it was Loran. There was Loran A, Loran C, and this was a form of navigation. Uh, you had to know what you were doing. You had to count numbers on an axis because of the curvature of the earth. And it's very complex, very complicated to me. Some guys that are 30, you know, 25, 30 years older than me, they grew up with that and never knew any different. It's very easy for them. Um, but the fact of GPS coming along the way that it has in the way everything's laid out in a perfect grid, it squares. Um, then you find a spot and you hit a button, you own it. You come back to that spot within three feet of it in the ocean. Um, and, and technology has, has given us the ability to do things like that to where it's not counting numbers and we're close, but this is it. This is where I was yesterday and I haven't missed. Um, you know, and now we've got the era of GPS, uh, ran trolling motors. You know, guy pulls up on a spot and doesn't have to anchor anymore. Took the variables right out of holding a boat over top of a rock pile where he needed to know what the wind and the current were doing to depict how he anchored. Now he can pull up there with his trolling motor and hit a button. And if he wants to move up 10 feet, he just motors it up 10 feet, but he is perfect right where he needs to be. Uh, technology has taken a lot of variables out of the game that really 20 years ago depicted who caught what they caught and who did the best on a daily basis. Never thought about it like that. You know, I know with going on trips over the years, you know, looking at equipment, noticing that equipment has upgraded and changed, but yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. I guess once you know, and, and you've fished these areas so many times that if you can get back where you want to be, you have a pretty good feel of what you're going to catch. You you know what's down around that structure, or around that ledge, or you you do you do, and you well, and a, and a lot of things goes in life. Uh, you've got confidence 
you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And I'm telling a lot of people that, you know, you got to have confidence in what you're doing. If you go into it, you don't feel real confident about it. You're not really going to get into it and do it. You know, you're going to be a little standoffish. Um, you need to have confidence. You know, when my wife, not to get off topic of what we were talking about electronics, but the confidence part is when my wife got her captain's license, and, you know, she'd been around boats all of our marriage and before that and this and that. And I'm, you know, with her and I'm guiding her in a direction, which is very tough to do. If you ever try to tell your wife how to dock a boat <laughs> or put it on the trailer, <laughs> you could go without dinner for a while. Like, <laughs> you, it's a very touchy subject, but you go through baby steps and you get that confidence. And now I can watch her and look at her from afar or have a buddy of mine that was at the boat ramp and I'm offshore. My buddy calls me up and says, Hey man, I saw your wife today back that trailer in the water, took a 20 foot tiller steer boat and put it on that trailer, locked it on there, hopped in the truck and she was gone. And there were six dudes trying to put a John boat on a trailer that she smoked them and got it done. That gives me confidence in her and now she she has that confidence, you know, and the electronics that we have today and the motors that we have, you know, outboard motors have come exponentially from where they were 20 years ago. Two-stroke air, I mean, these four-strokes were unbelievable. Um, you know, the electronics go along with that, but everything, once you put together what you have confidence in, and these electronics will boost your confidence. In the ability to say, hey, I've got a little SD card, i got a chip that I put in this machine, and I know that every one of these little dots I put in, and you got your names on them, and you're going fishing, and you, you know, like, I know that that place is right there. And when I pull up there, it's there, and you, you leave going fishing or wherever you have that confidence that everything is as good as it can be, and, and the electronics of your age has done that. Um some guys, I, I've worked for some senior captains that are a little re- reluctant to jump on the uh, evolved electronics bandwagon. They would still like their old tried and true papal. This way I've done it. This way I'm going to do it till the day I die. I understand that. That is a great method. It's awesome. I'm not telling you that it's wrong. But what I am telling you is if you just evolve a little bit with this, you'll see there's a whole other side of, of what we're doing. And the capabilities open up drastically once you get into that. Well, Austin, you, you can you can use that for just about everything. You know, you have traditional everything. you have traditional bow hunters that will not use a compound bow. And it's like, do you realize how much faster, how much further, uh-huh. you know, so same thing, but... The same thing. Going, uh, you hit on it just a second ago. Now, y'all are no pressure fishing. Y'all are a family organization, right? Now, you and your wife both fish. Yep. My wife and I both fish. Uh, My wife has her captain's license, obviously, as as well as I do. Um, You know, when when her and I started dating, uh, obviously, she was really into it. What? What woman doesn't love a boat? I'll tell you. Um, but that was, that, I think that was my biggest thing, not to get off topic there, but you know, I figured I'd tell her I'd get her into bow hunting and boating. And I thought I was doing the right thing. I really did. And I was like, man, this is going to be great. I've got my, my girl here. 
I'm going to get her in a bow hunt, and I'll be able to go bow hunting whenever I want. I'm going to get her into the boats. I'm going to be able to go boating whenever I want, you know, and do this and do that. And that escalates exponentially because <laughs> she wants the new Hoyt Clash. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you ain't going to tell your girl no now. You're going gonna to have her on the top. Um, but it just, it's, it's that way, you know, and it, it really is. It's crazy, crazy how far it's come and how far it's gone. Well, it's it's interesting to me, and you know, folks, if y'all are looking to to book a trip, you know, to have a actual, you know, a husband and a wife team that, you know, it's just not that common, you know. So it's that's not. that's something it's that not. y'all got y'all offered that, uh, you know, whether whether you're able to run offshore or whether you're staying in inland, you know, you've got a family type set up. So you know, if you if that's more of what you're looking for, then you you know, you've got a little little bit of a thing going on niche going on there that you know a lot of folks may not have you know you can you can actually have a a husband wife team that that work together and play together well and you know it just makes it a little bit better environment i guess you could say it it does i i'll promise you this i there ain't no way that i could do it without her um it's we touched on this very early in the podcast about like the work that goes into it and we never even uh you know or it never got mentioned the phone work okay the uh social media work the advertising the answering someone answered a phone you know and talking to people every day and knowing and having that relationship and the ability to answer the phone hey yeah this is michelle or this is austin and and yeah, we have this day available and, and we've got the calendar in front of us, and, you know, pictures every day. I'm the world's worst. I get my ear chewed. I don't take enough pictures. You got to have a fresh post up there. You know, it's a team, <laughs> it's a team deal. There is no I and crew. Um, it's, it's tough you, and, and everybody works together and, you know, we learn as we go along the way. I mean, like everybody else, like, Whoa, that was a tough one. I don't think we want to try that again. It's, it's definitely a team effort. You got to work together to make it happen. Um, we've been very blessed along the way. We've had very, very good people, uh, behind us and in front of us that have, you know, drug us along and people behind us pushing us to do it better and farther and faster. And, um, it's, it's been, it's a lot of work. It's a tough road, but, uh, it's very rewarding to step back and, and see what we've got sitting there and the folks, like we said earlier, you know, going through generations of, folks taking them fishing and and seeing smiles and and catching memories you know well also we're running down towards the end here but i know you got time real quick have you got a favorite story now i know y'all just got back from wisconsin deer hunting and stuff but have you got a (laughs) favorite hunting or fishing story you can throw out there real quick man you know i like to put you on the spot right there at the last minute yeah (laughs) i've got a I've kind of got an embarrassing one, uh, from hunting this year, right, right out of the gate. Um, and I don't know, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Um, so we're up in Wisconsin and, and I'm, I'm hunting with a good friend of mine up that way that, you know, allows us to come up and hunt on some of his ground and his family's ground. And, um, my wife had shot in a doe the night before this morning hunt that I was on. And man, she was 
just this little gym, you know, 150 pounder, had her hanging up. My buddy's like, Austin, let me see. We take some of this back strap, we cut it thin and put it on a grill. And I was like, oh man, you know, your mouth starts watering thinking about that back strap on the grill. And he's got him some salve mixed up in the bowl. And my little girl's there, we're mowing down on this stuff. And anyhow, I'm, we're riding in the truck going to this farm. And I was like, man, this is, this is, tough here and he was like what's wrong with you i said man i might have to make a scrape before i get to the tree like <laughs> i'm in a bad way <laughs> and i i got to the tree and i thought it just rolled by you know i thought it had just moved on i was like man i'm up in the tree and we're in wisconsin i get a little hit the grunt call a little bit that little seven point come right in on me 10 yards you know beautiful young young deer i let him move on by and i'm feeling it I'm feeling the urge, brother. Like this ladder stand, I'm not gonna make it. Uh, so I I scale down the ladder stand, leave my bow up there the whole night, run out three rows deep in the cornfield, and drop trout. That's it. I've got to go. Now, I, whatever, get my business done. I crawl back up the ladder stand and I'm texting my buddy that's hunting down way. I said, look, man, I said, we're going to have to move this ladder stand. I done, I done shit this place up. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Uh, <laughs> and I kid you not, it wasn't five minutes. I had two, two big nanny does that had already kicked their phones off, come walking along, stepped right over my scrape and hit the brakes. And damn if I didn't plug one of them at about 15 yards. And she never did nothing. Never put her nose in the air looked around stomp a foot i was like man that's pretty slick but it was an embarrassing one and, <laughs> and I, I definitely heard it from my buddy when we went back to get the doe because i shot her she ran off and i heard her crash we're walking back down the falcon field and i was like yeah let's cut right in the corner right here and he said look now you better tell me where you made that scrape don't let me go falling off in here <laughs> oh man. you know yeah, that's but not one of those things you want to find accidentally. No, you don't want to just step off in that accident. No. And it was tough. And of course, we're in the <laughs> woods and, and I'm, I'm going to go gut this deer and I pull my, pull my hoodie off and he looks and I had to cut my shirt. I had to cut my t-shirt and he's like, you gotta be kidding me. You cut your nice t-shirt. And I'm like, yeah, cuz it says I had too many clothes on to get to a sock in my boot now. <laughs> <laughs> And look, when that when that yeah, part hits, it was a predicament. Yeah, when you get in that position, you just got to do what you got to do. But awesome! Before hey. we we need to wrap up real quick. But tell everybody how they can find y'all if they want to book a trip with y'all. Tell them the easiest way to find y'all. Man, the easiest way is Instagram. No pressure charters. Uh, look us up on there. Facebook Messenger or an email. Uh, no pressure charters at gmail.com. You can send us an email right there. Um, and we're, we do not hesitate to answer the phone. Shoot a text message. Um, web page is right there. Interact with us through that or pick up the phone. 386-566-0659. Um, you know, as long as we're not offshore and if I am out of cell phone range, my phone goes on call forward and my wife answers. Hey, Austin, um, real quick before we try you to stay on it. The the email address is that no it's no pressure fishing charter dot com, right? 
Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. All right, Austin. Well, man, great episode. We enjoyed it. I'm sure everybody else did. And everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Outdoor Country Talk. And God bless. God bless. Well, ain't nothing like a southerner. Lord, to make you feel all right. I got the windows down. I got the radio on.